In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Hanukkah, how are you? Hi. Hi, Pamela. I am so excited to be here with you today. I'm doing great. So I feel very lucky and grateful to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You've been a rock star in my world for quite a long time, and I've had the privilege of being on your podcast. And now here we are. That's yes, you're an underdog. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Hanuga, on my podcast, I always start off with the most loaded question known to man, which is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Because you have such a tremendous story. I just can't wait to get into it. Yes, yeah. So I think life happened. That's what inspired me (laughs) to do this. But no, so I had pretty severe depression in my teens and I was put on medication and then I went to university and I'm pretty sure that like, you know, university lifestyle, you don't eat properly and you're consuming it a little bit too much alcohol probably wasn't really working with the medicine and that really threw me into a very bad downward spiral to the point where i had to unfortunately be put in a psychiatric ward over a weekend while they adjusted my medicine and so while i was in this ward i really just had this epiphany of you know what i don't want to be like this i don't want to be in this mental state for the rest of my life and i'm going to do everything that i can to get better and to heal myself and And so I went on to do a lot of personal development. I've worked with a lot of coaches, therapists, counselors over the years. And so through all that work, I got better pretty quickly, about a year or so. And I moved to uh, the UK where I landed this job on Wall Street. And it was such a fun job at 23. You know, you got a company credit card and I was like, whoa, I made it. I'm here. And then pretty quickly, I was like, no, but really, honestly, this isn't for me. This isn't who I am. It's not really aligning with my strengths. And so through, I hired another coach for working with her, I realized, you know what, like I need to completely like do a 180 here. And it's then when I had already met my husband and I had moved to the United States, I was then working in New York City and still on Wall Street. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit. I'm going to start my own Pilates business. And I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I was used to like the, when you work in corporate, it takes you quite a while to get out of that mindset, right? Now, of course, I look back, I'm like, you're a silly girl. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, it's like, it's all part of the journey, right? It's all the things that shape you because all of the mistakes that I've made, all of the knowledge that I learned while building that first business, I now use in my coaching business. So how I end up starting my coaching business is, you know, I didn't want to become a YouTube sensation. I didn't want to open a brick and mortar. I wanted flexibility and freedom. I was also pretty burnt out at that point. I didn't really see a way that I was going to be able to scale this. Of course, now I look back, I'm like, there were so many girlfriend what the hell and but anyways I was over it and I but I decided you know I 
what was going to be next for me. And I had so many ideas and I landed on, I really want to actually give this gift back to people of, of what coaching did with me. Because when I really sit back, coaching saved my life. And it's not just a, you know, that's a very dramatic thing to say, but it truly did. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to ask my coach whether she thinks I would be good at this. And so she was like, yeah, absolutely. You're proof that it works. So go for it. And so how I became a business coach, my niche picked me. And they always tell you this in coaching school. It's like, you're going to find that you attract certain people. And so it just sort of like it happened. I mean, I love business. I love brainstorming. I worked on Wall Street. I've got a business degree. I grew up with an accountant for a dad. So these things just kind of come naturally to me. And then I absolutely love working with my clients and overcoming their, the things that may be blocking them, their blind spots just getting out of their own way and really getting down to business and building their dreams. So that is me in a nutshell. I love it. Oh my gosh. Your story has so many important elements and she just peruses through them. Like it's absolutely nothing. <laughs> Wall Street, no big deal. Pilates, <laughs> no big deal. Coaching yeah. saved my life. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was on a podcast the other day and the guy was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he like pulled me through. You know, when you tell your own story, you're like, well, that's just kind of what happened. So, <laughs> you know, oh, so yeah, so that, that was that. But yes, there's a lot of twists and turns. There's I moved countries twice, actually three times because my visa expired once and I had to go back and it's a big rigmarole. But yeah, so I've, I've had to start from scratch multiple times and reinvent myself in different cultures. And I mean, you can relate a little bit, I think, to that, Pamela, like with your background. It's interesting as an immigrant in a country, even if I feel I'm an extremely privileged immigrant, right? I did speak the language when I moved here. I had the means to get the visas and all that to get here, but still it's a huge learning curve. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I want to reel it back a little bit too on your story. So were you born in South Africa? Yes, I born, raised, schooled in South Africa, university, everything there. And then when I finished university, so in South Africa, you don't borrow money from a Freddie Mac and a Fannie Mae. Is that right? Like you don't, you don't get these ridiculous deals on your student loans. When you're done, you owe a like commercial bank your mm. student loan at the prime minus one percentage. And so at that point in South Africa, we had high interest rates. It was at seven and a half percent yeah <laughs> so i was like this isn't gonna work i think i'm gonna go and do this like two-year working holiday visa thing in the uk because that was a thing back then that they gave to all of the commonwealth countries so that i can work the even then the exchange rates because i'm gonna work the exchange rate and work in a stronger currency and pay off the student loan that's awesome so question for you what did you want to be when you grew up i actually wanted to be a ballet dancer and I have two very creative brothers. And I think after, you know, my parents kind of looked at them and they were like, you are not doing that. <laughs> Even though they're both super successful, like, you know, one of them is an artist in South Africa. He's made a really good living for himself. The other one works in London. They're very successful as people. But I think as a woman, my dad had it like, you need to be able to take care of yourself. And so let's go do something practical so that you have a practical skill to back you up. So when I brought up this idea that I wanted to become a ballet instructor. My mom and my dad was like, um, no, let's maybe something else. And then I was going to be an actuarial scientist for 
like a hot minute. That was a guidance counselor's idea for me. And then after that, I remember like when I was 17, watching this movie with Jenna Elfman and Edward Norton and Ben Stiller called Keeping the Faith. Mm -hmm. And she had this really big corner office and she was definitely in New York City. And I was like, I'm going to be her one day. And so that was like my, okay, go get your finance degree and let's go. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, it always correlates like as a kid with certain things that you envision, right? But you visualize that, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, I know. Work office, like you went to the UK and then you came to New York. Yes, yeah. And I remember six months before moving to New York City, I had no, I never had any plans of living in New York. Like that was, the U.S. was never on my radar. Like the rest of the world, you know, the U.S. is just like, wow, country. And so you never really think like, oh, I will live there one day. But I remember being in New York for my very first visit and I was crossing the street and I was looking down this massive street, which in London, the streets aren't that wide, the buildings aren't that tall. And I was like, we're at that stage, the buildings isn't that tall. They're getting a little taller now. Anyway, so I'm looking down the street and I was like, I'm going to live here. And so six months later, I was living in New York. But you know, yeah, so it's interesting how you visualize these things and then you'll come back to what you really want. Because I wanted to become a ballet instructor Mm. and then I was kind of stayed on this other path, which was good. And I'm so grateful for that journey. And I came back to fitness in the end. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to move into something else. So yeah, life is interesting. And I always love just hearing people's stories when you're sitting with friends and they'll be like, oh yeah, when I was working at, and they'll name a random job and you're like, what? You work there? Like, tell me how did that happen? So yeah, you know, just having these conversations and life's twists and turns is, are, it's funny. It really is. And, and you had said that in the UK, so you hired a coach. Yes. Too. Yes. It yeah. A, it was amazing. And, and she helped you manifest your husband? Yeah, she did. <laughs> wow, you did really learn. Like you were really into this stuff. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> so you're going to have to buy the book to find that out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the uplevelprojectbook.com tells you the entire story. No. So yeah, so basically I was working on Wall Street there, like very busy, high pressure job. I'm like one of four women on an 800 person floor. And they were all, all the rest of the guys were all guys. And it was me and four other women or three other women that were brokers. And so very masculine energy, which I can totally swing into that real quick. But I just, I was so unhappy. And I, we went on this, it's going to sound so privileged. So we went on the ski trip, this company paid ski trip to Chamonix, France, because you know, that's what you do. And I remember being so miserable. And that's one of the things that I actually regret is like just that I didn't enjoy that part more. But when you're in the thick of it, when you're not you know, happy with something, it's kind of all you can see. And so I met this ski instructor, his name's Dennis, and he is like an Olympic like slalom skier or something like that. Like he's just, and he was not very happy that he had to go sit on the, on the bunny slopes with someone who had never skied before. But we hit it off. Like it was just so good. We had such a good time and he could really see that I just had to talk. So he recommended this thing called life coaching to me, which back then, this is, we were talking 15 years ago. This wasn't a thing like you know, right. nobody knew what it was. And so I went back to London and I found a coach and it's the turningpoint.co.uk. Her name was Shirley and she happened to be from South Africa. Wow. Uh-huh. 
Wow. Yeah. And so I started working with her and yeah, she just immediately gave me so many, you know, things that I didn't get from therapy where there were more skill sets. If I, when I look back now, it like definitely was a little bit more like the CBT model, right? Like cognitive behavioral therapy. But then she also actually went into the three principles, which the, these are all things that I draw from when I'm working with people these days and, and how I created this thing in the Uplevel project called the Uplevel Formula to help you to like sink into where is my mind today? How do I align things to then get what I want? But anyway, so through working with her, yeah, now, you know, I actually hired her originally also because I was having boy trouble. <laughs> like any 23 year old uh, to the point where the last like bad boy that I had looked like someone from four years ago and I was like now they not only like behave the same they look the same now too so it was just yeah that's how it all worked and so she just helped me to make better decisions that's incredible that you had gone to that prior to and that you said your that coaching saved your life so and it found you. So that that's amazing. And I also want to thank you so much for sharing your early years too, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about. And the reason why I started this podcast of like suffering from different things like depression, which nobody wants to talk about the struggles of that, you know, mm -hmm. as a teenager and you found yourself in this psych ward, how, and you were like, listen, I want to make this decision to change. Yeah. What were some of the steps that you took? Cause I guarantee you there's somebody listening that either knows they're going through it or somebody they know is going through it. What would be your advice in that respect based on your experience? Yeah. So based on my experience, so number one, ask for help. I think that's like the number one thing is like, and I was lucky. I had this friend and I am so grateful for her. I had been going to her house and using her as the therapist, which I have seen this with people now since that, where you will show up and you will use this friend or your friends and family as your emotional soundboards and your mental sound. They're not trying to help you. You're not doing your relationships any favors. And so go see a professional. And I was lucky enough that a friend cared enough for me that she took me by the shoulders one afternoon and she was like Hanukkah I cannot anymore can you please you need to go get help in that moment I was like I was a little taken aback of course it hurt a little bit but to this day I am so grateful that she did that so if you have a friend that is constantly coming at you I actually just recently said this to someone because I think they were kind of trying to use me for free coaching and so mm -hmm. every time they would show up and be in my presence they would be in panic mode and I have a lot of capacity to to hold space for people even in my personal life but it became a pattern and I just was like well, you're either going to have to book in for a session with me or you need to go see a therapist. And I can tell you right now what I'm seeing. You need a therapist first. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, if you're listening and you're on the receiving end of that, there is a way to say this in a very kind way. I just said it very matter of factly. I was a little bit more discreet when I was saying this to my friend. So ask for help or tell the person that you can see who is in pain, help them to get help, make it okay for them to go get help, suggest it to them. But Ultimately, as the person who, you know, if you're the person suffering from depression, you can get help, but you have to take that step. Nobody can do it for you. And it, it is scary because, and I think the biggest fear is like, oh shit, what are they going to find? Yeah. I was 17 when they diagnosed me with depression. My depression comes from anxiety. So managing my anxiety and, and knowing how to run a routine to ensure that I keep things, I keep my mind in check is super important. 
but these are all the skills that I kind of learned along the way because I decided I was going to take action and I was going to keep taking action, even if it was hard and painful and sad. And it wasn't like, a, I also just want to say this, it's not going to be, and business isn't like this, life isn't, it's not like a hill that you're climbing and it's like, or the bottom of the hill and you're driving straight up the hill. It's like the bottom of the hill and oh, guess what? You kind of sort of misjudge this hill, this four hills that are sitting back to back to back. So you're going to be down in a valley again and then you're going to move around and then you're going to go this way and sideways and up. But it's just trusting that process and and seriously just asking for help was the biggest thing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. But yes, I totally agree with you. Asking for help. Once you put it out there to the universe, all of a sudden certain things start to flow your way and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, just ask. Yes. There's this in the woo world, there's like the saying of the quickest way to manifest anything is to just ask for it. Yes. And it is, it really is that simple. Specifically, you know, depending on personality types, etc. Like the second you ask something, your, you know, your network might just know someone and they will put you in contact. Yeah. And also what I've also realized through sharing this story and other vulnerable, more vulnerable stories throughout life is that there's always someone who can relate or who are going through a similar thing than you are or who is inspired by your story. And I think that was, you know, the feedback overall about the Up Level Project, my book is like, it's not just another business book with like just a list of, of regurgitated business facts. It's my story. And it's in a lot more detail than we're going in here today. And I'm obviously doing that for good reason, because I want you to go and read the book and get the lessons. But the more v- the, the feedback that I've gotten, because the story is so vulnerable, is everybody even people who aren't entrepreneurs, they're getting, they're like, oh my word, like this helped me and that helped me. So when you show up with all your shit and your skeletons in the closet and all the things that you don't want people to see that you think they're going to judge you for, that is when you actually are at your most impactful self. And for some other reason, we've all been taught to hide that and that that's not acceptable. So yeah, just be yourself. I think it also, I maybe you can relate to this. I've just sort of gone like, I don't give a shit at this point anymore. Because like, I will go, well, this isn't my country, you know, so who cares? I can be whatever here. But, you know, and then my husband will joke at me. He's like, you are a United States citizen at this point. You got to stop saying you people. It's we people. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. Honestly, like it is truly a blessing to hear about your story and how you're utilizing it to impact others. And, and truthfully, like I'm seeing so many parallels between us because it was the same thing for me before this podcast. I, um, was that person that was always the strong one, right? Like the one that's not going to be vulnerable. That's not going to, I'm the resilient one. I'm like the tough one. Right. Yeah. And like doing something like this and sharing the story the first time I was like, (laughs) Yeah, no. And and you know, it's not fun. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's it's not going to be uh, polished. It's not going to be eloquent. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. I also want to say this. There is this misconception that we can either be strong, power, power through, don't show your weaknesses, or you're weak and vulnerable and yada, 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 yada. And there's actually you can exist with both 
You can be powerful and vulnerable. You can have your strengths shine and you will have certain weaknesses or things going on. You know, that's maybe maybe not so strong and it's all welcome. Yes, absolutely. Learning that vulnerability is actually a strength was a big one for me. Yes, absolutely. It was a big one. I was like, well, yeah, because how are other people supposed to connect? And I was like, this is the problem. I'm like people aren't talking about this. And then people feel disconnected because they're like, crap. My favorite thing is when someone client comes to me, a potential client comes to me, they're like, well, my business is just so different. My industry is just so different. I'm like, nope, it's just relationships. It's it's like, do you have something that someone else wants and they're going to buy it from you? Yes. Okay. Well then the business is business is business. The rest of all like the stuff that we put in our head that's making it so complicated and making us, you know, so separate from everybody else. And that can, yeah, that's hurtful and it can cause a lot of damage. And I'm not saying that you are not unique. You are unique. Absolutely. I can help you to run your business in your unique way, but your business isn't so different that nobody can relate or help you. Right. Amen to that. Amen Mm -hmm. to that. And back to how you sort of started this coaching business, which I find so remarkable. So you had a six figure job on Wall Street. And you left that to benefits. (laughs) And benefits, right? And a company apartment. Like, you know, it was cushy. (laughs) Like you had the golden handcuffs. And there's a lot of people in this situation right now that are listening or know somebody who is that is caught by those golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. How did you break free from that? And what were your first steps? Because you went into like a totally different realm. Oh yeah. (laughs) I did it the way that I would advise you not to do. I overstayed my welcome at Wall Street where I was desperate to get out. So I just got up one morning and quit. Literally, that's how it went. I thought about it for a week, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. Pilates was sort of an idea. I think my first business plan in little air quotes was like, if I just made a hundred dollars a day, I should be okay. <laughs> like it, you know, a hundred dollars is a lot for certain people. Absolutely. But if you're sitting, you know, where I was sitting, then that's like kind of not actually also just showing you how not big I was thinking at the time, how desperate I, I would just do anything to get out instead of really taking some time. So, but the first steps that I did was I went back to, what did I really love and enjoy when I was younger? And that step was, you know what? I really love moving my body. I love Pilates. I still do it. Even though I'm on Wall Street, I still make time to go and do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become an instructor because an instructor in London somewhere had noticed my form and she was like, you know what? Have you ever thought about becoming an instructor? Cause you'd be good. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's kind of nice, you know, like little A student in the Pilates class, little validation. And so I, yeah, and then I just enrolled and I just started. I did, literally didn't have a lot of guidance, but that's my personality type. So my personality type is I need about 20% information and then I'll, I'll take an action and I will go with it. And I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and I'm going to hit my head a lot of like, you know, bounce around a lot, which is why it's good for me to work with a coach, but I'll get there. And that's that drive that is just innately in me. I have a lot of grid. So that's like the the first thing I think is just starting and really being honest with yourself is like, what, what does your ideal life look like? Even asking yourself, like, how much money do I really need? You know, I think that's why my $100 a day was at that time, the thing I was like, well, I kind of only really need this much and I will be, I will be fine. 
and I'm not saying don't dream big, but but sometimes we're living under this false illusion that you need the $500,000 a year job. And maybe you don't, like maybe you can just start being a little bit smarter with your money and how you're investing it and whether you're spending it on things that you actually enjoy or what I was doing was just throwing my money at, at anything to make me happy. I was trying to buy the happiness even though the, I wasn't getting the fulfillment out of my daily life, so. Yeah, I don't know whether that helps. That was yeah. a lot. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it because there is a lot of people that are stuck in that situation where they're not happy, but they're bound by these handcuffs. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you break free? You know, and every story is so, so different. And I'm very much like you, where I'm just like, let's go. See, yeah. You don't really think too I, much, which I wouldn't advise either, but but that's how I am. So <laughs> I also, I did. yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I also think, we think that only wall street can pay you big bucks or certain industries but i know certain artists and pilates instructors and you know who else that are making really really good uh, money having amazing impact and so i would challenge you to really get because you know a, a part of my book is also talking about whatever you believe whatever you think you say those things are going to be your results because what you focus on expands. So if you want a certain result, you have to adjust your beliefs, your feelings, your thoughts, and what you say, because that's going to influence how you act. Yes. And I don't remember what, I can never remember the president that says this, and I quote him so much, I really should look this up. But there's a president that said, only a fool will show up and do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And I'm ad-libbing him yeah. now, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you gotta so, take a responsibility for, for how you're acting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you put your passion into purpose and turn and basically open this coaching business because you didn't have a book of business, <laughs> any of that, right? Like you were just starting from scratch for the entrepreneurs listening. Um, who are maybe involved in a startup or thinking about it, what would be your advice to them? Wow. Okay. If you're in a startup, you're just, if you're just starting out, you know, this is a hard one because you have so much to learn when you're starting out and you are also then at your most susceptible to be told it's not possible and believe it because you're doing something very risky. You're doing something that you're new at, so you're a little insecure. And so I'll tell this story. When I just started my Pilates business, apps were starting to come out. And I was like, man, it'd be really cool. Cause I was doing Pilates DVDs and you know, I like, it was so fun. So I, I speak to this friend of mine who's a software engineer and like, you know, the guru at that time, person that I know who is, is really great at his field. So he must know the future of stuff and could be giving me good advice. So I run by him. like, I really want an app. Like, do you think, you know, I should get an app. And he was like, you know, I don't think apps are going to be around for much longer because the websites are getting so quick in uploading. And so I never pursued my app because I gave my power Mm -hmm. to someone who I thought was the guru. 
but my you know initiative wanted to go do that now this is a very like silly example like uh, you know i don't hold i'm not angry with my friend or anything like that but i'm simply telling this story to remind you to not give the keys to your business to someone else so quickly. It's the same with like, I'm starting to have a problem with $20 um, networking events that then say, and bring a business struggle and we'll brainstorm it for you. Who's in this room? I don't know who's in that room. Like what kind of business um, entrepreneur are they? Number one, number two is like, I'd like to have some more security in in where I'm sharing my ideas and who I'm sharing with. Right. So so I know when we're starting out, we you know, we, our budgets are small and all of that, but really find yourself a key group of people who believe in you, who believe in your idea and who can give you feedback in a way that is encouraging and not discouraging you from moving forward. Because, you know, your aunt Matilda will be like, you're stupid. That's never going to work. I, you know, no, I'm not giving you my inheritance. And then you're not going to go and create the next million dollar thing because aunt Matilda doesn't know anything about the industry that you're going in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's so interesting because the, the startup entrepreneurs are always my favorite because they're like, what do I do? How do I build a book of business? Especially when it's a business like coaching, right? Where it's, it's, yeah. it's a long sales process. There's all these things and it's like, how do I? Yeah. It's like real estate, right? Like a real estate agent, the average sales process is roughly three months, right? Yeah. And that, yeah. That between, and or longer. And, <laughs> and building your book of business is even, I think this is the other thing, like be patient. Yes. Be patient and give yourself a lot of grace and celebrate all of the small little wins, like the small little things that are going to keep you going. Um, and to your point of like, you know, where do you start? Business is relationships. So just start with the people that you know already that might have people that mm -hmm. might have people. That's how everyone started. They didn't start on Instagram. <laughs> they had zero followers at one point and they were making money. So how do they do that? Right. Amen. Amen. And I love that you talk about the formula and the up-level project as well, because that book came out recently and any other advice? I know you've been dropping gems throughout the whole interview. <laughs> any other pieces of advice? We don't want to spoil the book, but any other <laughs> of advice from the book that that you would encourage any anyone listening? It's so funny. The other day I started reading it. I was like, oh yeah, I should take my own advice on this one. <laughs> so let's see. Actually, this is the biggest one, and it's it's like one of the lighter chapters, and it's about like really every day connecting to your dream. Mm. every day sinking into what is it going to feel like? How excited are you going to be? What are you going to say to people? How, you know, because you need that, like sometimes it can be months before you have a win, a big win, like, you know, and especially now where we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, like depression or whatever we're going to call it, like the economic recovery is a little slow. So you may get a lot of no's. And oh, by the way, you're going to get another, a lot of no's. You will always get more no's than yeses. Just, that's just going to be the thing. So, you know, because conversion rates, conversion rates are 
are, are low. They're not 100%. If you're 100% converting, then your prices are too low or please call me because you're doing something amazing. But so definitely the more you can sink into what you're working towards and keep your eye on what am I building this for? What's my why behind this? How awesome is it going to be? How many people am I going to impact with this? How proud am I going to be? That's really going to give you a lot of energy and it will most likely also give you the steps of how to get there. Love it. Love it. And now I have a personal question for you. Yes. Because we haven't been personal at all. Like, you know, hey, I was going to cover it. And this is my favorite question. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Be patient and have more fun in the moment. Stop living for like, the future. Same thing for me. I was always looking at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that kept me so out of the moment. And I was encouraged to be present, Pam, because the present is a present for a reason, right? Yes. Because it's all you have. Really is all you have. (laughs) It is. Amen. I love that. I love that. Hannah. And now question, what are you up to now? What's what's up in your world? Like, what are you up to next? Because you are a powerhouse. So I know the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of stuff going on and I'm having so much fun. (laughs) So number one, I'm doing a lot of, you know, little book events. Unfortunately, the sad thing is like, I haven't been able to have like a in-person event for the launch of the party. So I did a bunch of online things, but now I've actually really liked doing them. So we're continuing to do that. I also have a virtual and a online retreat coming up in the fall. And then after that, I'm actually launching the companion course to the Up Level Project again. This will be the third time that it runs. It's called the Up Level Program, where I go very deep on the principles, some of what we discussed today, to help entrepreneurs to really up level their resiliency, their leadership skills, and get really clear on where they're going and all of that. So if anybody's interested, do do get in touch. And oh, you can find the book if you're interested in the book, the uplevelprojectbook.com is how you will find that. You are a rock star. Thank you so much for that. And where can everybody find you? You know, I hang out on Instagram. I hang out on on LinkedIn quite a bit as well. So you can find me there. The name is a little bit weird to pronounce and spell. It's at Hanukkah Antonelli. But if you can't remember that, just the uplevelprojectbook.com is going to redirect you to my website. So you land on my website when you go to the uplevelprojectbook.com and then you can find me all over the web from there. <laughs> you are amazing, my friend. Thank you so much for being here today, being Thank the rock you. star in the light that you are. I'm so excited to see what you do in the world and just seeing your impact continue you're just a rock star and thank you so much the only dream that i've been chasing is my own so that's it for today's episode of underdog head on over to itunes and subscribe to the show one lucky listener every single week that posts a review on itunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private vip day with pamela herself in boston massachusetts be sure to go to the underdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.